When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And I think the Celtics have the Sixers number. And let's face it, in the playoffs, it ain't about who's the deepest team. It's about, because, you know, you, you reduce your rotations. Right. I just think it's just going to be, I think it's a tough draw for them. I think the time for the Sixers to beat them was last year. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Atlas Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to a special edition of the A-List Podcast. I'm Ashra Blakely, and I am joined by special guest Keith Pompey, Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Keith, how you doing today, brother? Oh, I can't complain. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Sure, Thanks yeah. for having me. I wish I could have been there for the game down in Philly between the Celtics and the Sixers the other night, but I uh, wanted to just kind of chat with you about that and, and Sixers and Celtics and all that good stuff because something tells me that once we get to, to the playoffs, we just might be crossing paths again, but we, we'll talk a little about that later. Uh, but the last night's game, uh, Jason Tatum had a big, big second half. Derek White, I think 14 in the fourth quarter, finished with 27. You know, Joel had a Joel B kind of game. You know, his numbers, he's always going to give you 20 and some change. Maxi was the guy that I want to talk to you a little bit about right off the bat. He has been playing some pretty damn good basketball. I mean, he's looking like one of the most improved, if not the most improved, baller in the league. Take me through what, what's been the key to his, his uh, you know, just really strong start to the season. You know, I, I think that um, his his ball handling has been the, the biggest thing and, and his court awareness. I mean, Maxie had several games where he had 10-plus assists and zero turnovers. And, you know, if you look at it, if you would have said that before the season started, like I would have slapped you. Like, come on, bro, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, right? Like, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's been the biggest thing. And also – you know, addition by subtraction. Um, you know, James is is a good player, but I I think what not having James has enabled Maxi to take a larger role, and he's able to showcase more of his skills because he's not the third guy anymore. If if that makes sense to you. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. The, the thing about Maxi, you you touched on his ball handling and. You know, that that's the part of his game I don't think he get, he's given much credit for. Because when you watch him play, he's one of those guys that has a certain skill set that separates him from others. And for me, when I watch him play, it's that end-to-end speed. I mean, I mean, Joe, I mean, Drew Holiday, you, you know Drew from, from being in the field. Drew is a really good defender, arguably the best on-ball defender in the league. And there were multiple times in that game where 
I mean, Massey just hit the beat button and just blew right past you. How has he been able to continue to do the things that he's shown the ability to do, but still get other guys involved? Because his playmaking, as you pointed out, that's been one of the things that I think a lot of people have been surprised at how quickly he's been able to kind of fill or at least address that void left by Harden's departure. You know, and that's a great question, Sarai, because right then and there, that's the biggest thing that he still has to figure out. Because it's like it comes to a point where he is getting people involved, but it's coming to a point where Nick Nurse is saying, nah, bro, like, yo, it's great, but we need you to score. We need you to do more. And 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 like, so that's the biggest thing that he has to figure out because he wants to be a point guard. He wants to show everybody that he can get everybody um get his teammates involved. But with that top end speed that you talked about they know that that's a mismatch, you know what I mean? Especially in the open floor. So instead of him passing the ball, they would love for him to shoot the ball a lot more. But, you know, I, I will say, I mean, it, it's it's different because what he is is if you if you ever held a conversation with this guy, he's a selfless player, person, so he's a selfless player. And it's to one of those things where he's not happy unless everybody else is happy. So he is distributing rock but they want him to be more of a selfish player for them to be, uh, to be great. That's, that's crazy to think about. Cause when you, cause you look at that roster, you know, when James was there, it seemed like he was, would have been that ideal add on piece because James is very aggressive, very, you know, tr- I got to get mine and Joel same way. And it seems that, you know, Maxie was that guy that can be cool with everyone trying to get there. Just give him a little slow, slow liver pie. He good. And now, you need him to be more James Harden, like to be honest with you. I mean, where he's trying looking for his. How I mean, how much of a challenge do you think that's going to be for him? Because to your point, Keith, that's not really something that comes naturally to him uh, to be that kind of dude. You know, I, I think well, the one game that we saw was when they played uh, Indiana. Well, you know, not the second, not not two nights ago, but on the Sunday. One that, right? Yeah, he last- shot the ball thirty. 32 times they got to a point where he had 50 he scored a career high 50 points right so um you know right then and there that was kind of like a little bit of the progression where you can see it but you know I I feel like with him he realizes that there's going to be certain times where teams are going to be extremely physical with him and when that happens he doesn't really want to shoot he wants to get others involved right he's looking at it as if you know what I'm not scared, but what it is is they're bringing bodies at me and other guys are open. But right then and there, the Sixers still want him to attack. And that's the hard part because, you know, you look at a guy like Tobias Harris, who is having a pretty good year. When Kelly Oubre comes back beforehand, he was averaging more than Tobias. So that or therein lies where that was the hard transition. I, I, I think that, but Tyrese, the one thing that I will say is, Joel is always in his ear saying, we need you to shoot more. Nick Nurse is always in his ear saying that. So I feel like by the time the, you know, we, we get in February and all that, that I think that he'll have a little bit down pat, um, you know what I mean, to to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah, yeah. And and, and you, you just touched on another uh, key piece of Sixers with the fast start, and that's Kelly Oubre who, uh, you know, reportedly was was hit by a car. And at first they said he might, I think there was the reports that he missed significant time. And now it's like he may be back uh, much sooner than, than that. 
Uh, what's the latest on, on Uber? And, and, it's, and, you know, speak to what he's meant to, to this team, you know, getting off to such a good start. You know, first I talk about like the latest. Well, you know, it's funny because like they said significant time. And then, you know, I was talking to a source yesterday who said, yeah, we think he'll be back in a couple weeks. Right. And you're like, oh, OK. All that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, OK, that's, that's good. Like my microwave injuries nowadays. Right. <laughs> but but um, but but significance has been crazy because, you know, you look at it and it's, it's like two teams that need each other. Like Kelly Oubre, the Sixers were the only team that really offered them anything, and that was a minimum. That was it, right? And you look at the Sixers, the Sixers needed a score. They needed another guy to balance things out. So what he meant to him was, you know, Kelly, when he was at other places, he was known for taking awful shots. Mm. His shot selection has been better. He was also known for someone who could play defense but didn't play defense. Mm. So now it's like when his shot isn't on, you see Kelly getting the steal. You get him. You see him trying to, you know, be real um, physical and 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 have a presence on a defensive end. So he meant a lot to him. And the funny part is they were rolling with him. And right. then then all of a sudden, you know, he didn't play the last what three games. They won the first one, but then it, they didn't have Nick, Nick Batum the next game, next two, and without Nick Batum and without Kelly. They're a completely different team, and they lost. So, I mean, I would have to say that Kelly, outside of um, Maxi, right, you would have to say that Kelly has probably been the most exciting player that the 76ers have had in this early stage of the season. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only, $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support play it smart from the start gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234 our, our good friend Gary Washburn of the Boston Globe it pisses him off that, that Kelly Oubre ain't playing somewhere like Boston because Gary way before even before Philly signed him Gary, I will give Gary his props. He was tooting the horn of, of, of you know, Uber as a guy that you could get for minimum wage. But I didn't think, you, I didn't think you, I thought you would have to pay more for him because he's a good player. And so Gary, you know, if if you see him at the game and, and Uber is balling out and he looking a little salty, you gonna know, you gonna know why. He was, uh, yeah, <laughs> he was Uber. looking salty yesterday because he ain't see Uber. <laughs> <laughs> So, but you're right, though. I mean, when, when you talk about teams that are, like, going to be in the hunt for championships and, and contending for deep playoff runs and stuff like that, 
they usually have one or two cats on their squad that plays well above their fair market value. Uber seems like like he's he's one of those guys uh, for them. Um, yeah, I got another cat too that I thought played really well against the Celtics, and and you know not a lot of people know who he is because he's still a young player. Is Springer, the kid from Tennessee, Jaden? Uh, what is has he been just as big a revelation for those who don't watch him as? Uh, for for the folks there in Philly, because he, he really seems like one of those late first round picks a couple years ago. That's just kind of coming to his own right now. Yeah, he has. He's been a major revelation. It was like he was one of those draft picks when they drafted him. You knew it was going to be for the future, but you didn't know if it, if you didn't know like how long they were going to stick with him. You know what I mean? Because they want to win, and maybe you could trade him and get something. I'm just going to share this about him. He's one of those guys who. He was the second youngest player in his draft, but mm. he was a guy who he started the first grade when he was five. So he was a young dude. So he was a McDonald's All-American. He's one of the top guys in his class, but he was extremely young. So the reason why a lot of people didn't know about him or haven't heard from him is because now he's starting to grow up. He's getting stronger. He was just a young dude. The thing about him is it was weird. Like when Doc was here, um, Doc Rivers, the formerly coach, you know, Doc had more of a veteran team. So this guy wasn't going to get a lot of time, not a knock against him. He just wasn't ready. So he spent a lot of time in the G League, but he really didn't put up great stats. Right. But then all of a sudden last year, it was like he led the league in steals in the G League. Right. And then after that, it was like they put him, they brought him up to play in the last couple games of the regular season with the real team and dude was out there balling, locking people up. So, you know, you, you hear of it, but right now it's kind of like, you know, he's a young cat. He doesn't want to sit the bench. He wants to be in a rotation. And whenever he gets in there, he's trying to make something happen. The one thing I will say about this ride is like a lot of these young cats don't know their role. Right. He knows his role. He knows the best way for him to get on the floor is to make something happen on the defensive end and use his athleticism as far as crashing the boards and going out in transition. So, you know, he's the type of guy, he knows he's not going to be the man, but he knows that he can make things better for Tyrese by playing defense. So he could be a guy, like you look at it, with a lot of these older guys on the team who could be someone that's going to supplant a lot of guys in the rotation. Yeah, because the one thing that I loved about his game, you know, last, you know, the other night against the Celtics was just how, you know, when he got into the game, you probably didn't expect him to play a ton of minutes. But it seemed that the longer he was out there, the more he was impacting the game. He only had nine points, but he was like plus 20 when he was on the floor and 20 minutes of action. So, I mean, literally every minute out there, the Celtics, or excuse me, the, the Sixers were getting better with his presence. And having guys like that on your bench, I mean, that is a major luxury that, that most teams don't really have. Uh, but just kind of keeping things moving here with, with, with the Sixers. Uh, and we're here with Chief Pompey of the Philadelphia Fire Sixers speed writer. The, the guy that is always going to be a focal point for Philadelphia when it comes to success or failure is Joel. Coming off, you know, one of the, arguably his best season as, an NBA play, as, as a player in the league, uh, accolades out the wazoo. Is there, are there things about his game that you see as being better or just as good this year? Because uh, I'm looking at him play, and he, he's he's doing Joel things. 
I don't know if he's gotten better or whether he's just kind of at that plateau point in his game, which again, if this is like the worst that you're going to get out of Joel, you're doing all right. But are there signs that you see of him being any better or is he pretty much the same player now uh, that we saw a year ago when he was in the pit? You know what? I'll say this. Like, I, I think yesterday was a bad game for him or when they played the Celtics, it was a really bad game for him. Um, you know, it, it, it look, he looked like he was tired. He was fatigued, this and that, the whole nine. But I will say this before that, before this stretch, Joel seems like he was more aggressive on the defensive end. There was times in the past where, you know, Joel was just like, yo, bro, go out here. Like, you know, he was always on like cruise control. Yeah. And he's been a, a, a pretty good rim protector this season. He wasn't that way too much in the last game against the Celtics, and I think it fatigue factor in. But I would have to say that his defense is hustle. He's typically been hustling more. Now, the one thing I will say that I guess is an improvement, Joel has yet to miss a game. Now, I know it's only been 11, but they had two back, two sets of back-to-backs. Right. Joel has played in every game. That's and shocking. in the past, huh? That's shocking. Exactly. So he played in a lot. But I think that right now he has to get his body conditioned for this because, you know, he was he was rolling at one point, And then all of a sudden, the last two games, he looked like somebody had a piano on his back. Like he just looked bad. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. and then I'll, I'll say something else. I got to give the Celtics credit. He was a minus 25, That's right? Cool. Do you know he's done that six times in his career? Wow. Three have, have, were against the Boston Celtics. I don't know what it is with them, but whenever he, like, they got three of his all-time worst games. And, like, wow. again, I'm not, I'm throwing statistics. I'm talking about defensively. Three of his all-time worst defensive performances. Um, have come against uh, come against the Celtics. That's crazy. Well, it, it's I mean, for for those of us who who watch, you watched him play beyond just when he plays Boston. There's it's it's different most of the time when he plays Boston, and and I don't know whether it's just the Al Horford factor or or whether it's just you know for some reason it's a mental thing with him where you know he knows that this is a team that has kind of had his number throughout his career, and he almost almost plays himself out of some games. Mentally, I don't know, but but there's there's a definitely different uh, energy that he comes to the game with and executes with against the Celtics that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, but something else that doesn't make a lot of sense, or maybe it does, depending on how you would know this better than I do. Your boy, James Harden. Um, the trade hasn't quite worked out the way the Clippers started. But now, we I think we all agree. We all were thinking there'd be a little bit of an adjustment period for James, but damn, they catch four L's right out the gate with James, right out the gate. And now, and now the, the thing about the losses, when you start looking, you know, and you start sifting through the weeds, and you start looking at the numbers, they're like minus 67 in those first four games when he was on the court. And the plus was a, a significant number when he was off. Are you shocked, surprised at all? by the struggles that he's had and kind of really immersing his game in, in uh, with, with Clippers? Yes and no. Like, um, you know, 
for the role that they want him, they need him to be like being a scorer. All this, I don't think he can do that anymore. Like, mm -hmm. I think if James had some other, like, if James was just a facilitator getting out and go, yeah, he's good. But, but like, I, I, I don't see, like, I, I think the problem with James Harden is, you know, James Harden is that type of guy now in his career. He's getting older. He'll give you, like, every fourth game, I think he'll, like, step out and give you a dominant performance. But on a nightly basis, he's just not that guy anymore. And also, I feel like in order for him to excel the way that he wants to, you got to get him the way that he wants to. You got to get him out there with a lot of, like, maybe shooters, rebounders. Like, it got to be like AI 2001 76ers where he's just going to chuck it up a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But when, you playing with, when you're playing with a bunch of other guys and then you got the ball in your hand, and you got Russ, and Russ can't shoot either. I mean, Russ can't shoot. It's kind of like this. All it does is create space and issues, right? And I just don't I, – I, I don't know, man. Like, it's a reason why the Clippers were the only team willing to really trade for him, give up something for him. So yeah. if, when you ask me if I'm surprised, I am um, – because just because you didn't think it was going to be this bad, but I'm not surprised because James, like, again, I, I said, like he was winding down and a lot of those elite games he had, like they were like, you know what I mean? Like once a week, dude, they were like once a week. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, there was a point in time where, I mean, pretty much whenever you knew the beard was going to be in the building, you chalk him up with 25, seven and nine before he even, you know, before he even combed through the beard to get some of the, get some of the food out of the beard. He was already in triple double mode, uh, but you know, the Sixers to, to the credit. I mean, there was a lot of questions about whether they got fair market value in return for him. And when you look at the players that have, it seems that the Sixers were able to get not necessarily better players, but a better fit of players for what they're looking to do. Is, is that is that fair to say? I agree, uh, and I, I agree, and and if you and, and and this is no knock at PJ Tucker, is no knock at Danny Green, right? No knock at Philip Petrosev, but when you look at that, they did get better quality of players. I mean, they did like because you got to take James Harden out of the equation, right? Like you look at it and you say, okay, so is Nicholas Batum better than PJ Tucker right now? Yeah, I think he is, right? Yeah. Would, would you say uh, Robert Covington might be a little bit more like a little bit closer to him, a little bit better? Yes, I will. Right. So, you know, Marcus Morris, is he better than like Philip Petrosev or, and this and that? Yes, he is. So it's like to me, it was an upgrade. But you are right. It is a great fit because, see, when you look at this team now. Right now, you don't have anybody competing with Joel to right. say, this is my squad. What you have is you have a lot of dudes who know how to play defense, right? And then you got Marcus there who can shoot, right? And what they're doing is they're like, they know their roles. And Joel is the man, the unquestioned man. So when you look at that, yeah, it's a fit. It's also a fit on the defensive end. Nick Nurse likes these long wings, forwards, who, you know what I mean, who can get the deflections and everything. They have a bunch of those guys. They're not asked to shoot. They're asked to come in and provide defense. So 
Yeah, I, I think that what they did is it was a good trade from that standpoint because you're able to bring in these body, these bodies. Yeah, we uh we, we talked a little about Jaden Springer, one of the the newcomers for the for the the Sixers this year, and what he's been able to do. But the the biggest newcomer of all the newcomers is head coach Nick Nurse. Just what what are your early impressions of, of Nick, uh, who seems to have a pretty good pulse for for what this team can do and what he wants this team to do going forward. Yeah, I've been extremely impressed with Nick Nurse. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, you don't want to say this because you don't want to seem like you're the homer dude. But, like, you feel like, you know, Nick Nurse, if the Sixers, you know, finish second, he has to be in the East or even third. He has to be the coach of the year. I mean, you have to. Because the thing that Nick Nurse did is at first when he came and he was talking about we want to have this free-flowing offense and this and that, and I'm like, okay, this ain't going to work right. Like, you're going to take the ball out of Joel's hand and he's going to be cool with it? Like, yo, man, like, this ain't working, dog. That ain't going like, to work. This ain't working. That's what you think. And then all of a sudden you look at it and you see how guys are cutting. You see how Joel is happy because it's taking the pressure off of him, right? So you see that and you're like, dang, this okay now, now. Nobody's criticizing Tobias about the money he makes. They're all like saying he's, you know, a great player. So I look at that and you see how Kelly fit in. That was great. On a defensive end, they're playing so much more aggressive than they were in the past. And like, so we can say, okay, Tyrex, Tyrese Maxey ascended. Joel Embiid is like playing better defense. You know, Kelly Oubre is fitting in. Tobias is doing this. Nah, it's all the coach. The coach is the one putting all these guys in these positions and getting buy-in from everyone. So, yeah, uh, Nick Nurse has been, in my opinion, the MVP of the team thus far. Okay, okay, okay. Now, shifting gears a little bit, because we talked quite a bit about this, uh, the six. Let's talk a little about the Celtics. Uh, they were expected to be one of the better teams this year. You've had a chance to see them play a couple times this year. What are your impressions of, of the Celtics uh, after, you know, seeing him, you know, do 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 the things last, just this early part of the season? I think the Celtics are the best team in the league. I do. I, I feel like, you know, the, the scary thing that I had early on, the major question marks was about the bench, right? Um, you know, and, and I do still think that they got a move in them and they can go out there and get a, another guy. But when you look at the Celtics through one through six, I think they got the best starting lineup and and Al Horford coming as a six man. I know he's 38, but Al can still play. You know yeah. what I mean? So I like that. Now they got a couple bench dudes that like, yeah, they're not like exactly like the dudes that people are saying I'm going to do a scouting report for, but right. just leave them open. Just leave right. them open. They're going to hit that shot. But let's talk about the, to me, the biggest um, the most underrated thing with the Sixers is the backcourt. I honestly believe that Drew Holiday and Derek White, and I know I might be in a minority nationally, but I think that's the best backcourt in the league right now. I mean, you don't have, I mean, Drew Holiday is a two-time All-Star, right? Drew Holiday is like an all-defensive type of guy. Now, is he the flashy, the 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 sexy dude pick? No. Is Derek White that? No. But Derek White can play, man. Like we we look at the two games that they lost and the one game that they um well they the one game they almost they struggled against Brooklyn, they won. Derek White wasn't there. They go to uh was it Minneapolis and they lost. 
Derek White wasn't there. That was in overtime. Then he comes and he flies back and gets there like a like an hour or so before the game against the Sixers, and then they lost that game. That dude right there is important, special. Now the thing is, I like Kristaps. I like him in a non-star role, right? If you say Kristaps, you're gonna be my number one and number two. You you might be in trouble. But as a non-star role, just like hitting threes and rolling to the basket, doing stuff like that, I really like it. But the question mark on the six, I mean, on the I keep saying I'm saying Sixers on the Celtics is the Jades. Like, yeah. are y'all gonna play together? Are y'all going to play together? You know what I mean? And if they do, and, and and I don't mean like what they was doing at times. Okay, bro, I got the first half and you got the second half. Right. Nah, if they could play together, they're good. But like when you look at this starting lineup on paper, on paper, before you see them, you say, that's a small lineup. You say that. But then you look and you realize how big Jason Tatum actually is. And you like, and I, and I saw it like, him playing against Tobias yesterday, he was giving Tobias the business, man. Like it was like it was like he was a two guard. It was like he bigger than Tobias, but it was like Tobias was trying to guard a two guard, and it wasn't working out for him. So I feel like this is the best team. The thing is, I do think that they need at the trade deadline or some particular um, point to go out there and get a dog to come off the bench, get somebody for that bench. Well, they need one, but that lineup, I really like it, man. I really do. Yeah, do. They, I mean, yeah. That's been the, the big, you know, question mark with them, and particularly when, when you know, a guy or two goes down. But that, that's what made the win over Philly the other night so impressive was that no Jalen Brown, no Kristaps Porzingis. So you throw, you know, you throw Sam Hausman into the starting lineup. You throw Al in the lineup, and Al hadn't been shooting the ball particularly well uh, before that. So there were some questions about how impactful will he be. And Al, you know, made some big shots. Sam hit a couple shots. And then they went, you know, the Celtics, they went a little bit deeper than I think most people expect them to go on the bench. I mean, we saw guys that, you know, who hardly ever play, like Delano Bant used to play for, you know, Toronto, young fella. He came in there, gave him great minutes and played like eight minutes and was like really, really effective. And, you know, you know, see the, the, you know, the shooter uh, used to play for Detroit. You know, he comes in there takes four shots, makes a couple. He's got five points in about six, seven minutes. They um, they got a lot of value out of guys near the end of the bench. But, but Keith, the thing that, you know, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of close it out on this. I mean, we're talking with Keith Pompey, uh, Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, the looking at this Sixers team, looking at this Celtics team, would not surprise me if they met in maybe the second round of the playoffs, maybe even the conference finals. Based on what you've seen thus far, how do you think that series would go if these two were to collide, you know, in the conference finals, BJ? I think the Celtics would beat them, dude. I do. I mean, like, is there certain teams you don't want to play? I mean, people in Philly don't want to hear this, but with me saying it, but it's certain teams you don't want to play. Like, I, I think that, see, the, the one thing that we got to understand is that, you know, the Celtics with having Sam Cassell on there, Sam Cassell been around for what the last three years. Joel, he's gonna say, "Hey, Joel doesn't like this." You know, uh, Al Horford. Like, I mean, this is like you know, you said Al wasn't shooting the ball particularly well. You had to know he was going to shoot the ball well going to Philly. Yeah, my man was blowing kisses and all the whole <laughs> nine. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? You 
we saw a 25-year-old Al out there <laughs> with the energy. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I, I honestly think, and, and I do think, like, yes, Maxi, Maxi um, has ascended. But I, I think that the stuff that I saw Jason Tatum doing at Tobias yesterday, like, mm-hmm. it was like he had a cheat code. I mean, seriously, you saw it? So, so I, I just think that there's certain teams that have a number, and I think the Celtics have the Sixers' number. And let's mm-hmm. face it, in the playoffs, it ain't about who's the deepest team. It's about, because, you know, you, you reduce your rotations. Right. I just think it's just going to be, I think it's a tough draw for them. I think the time for the Sixers to beat them was last year. Honestly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Keith, as always, appreciate you, brother. Keith Pompey, Sixers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, this is the A-List Podcast. I'm host, H. Rob Blakely. Thanks for checking us out. Uh, check all your podcasts and apps where you can get the latest episode of the A-List Podcast uh, in addition to this one. Uh, so, again, thanks for checking us out. We are out.